Well, good morning, Southridge. Good to see everybody. Glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Troy, and we just hope that today is very meaningful and special for you, and that maybe, just maybe, God would tug on your heart, and there would be some change that happens in you that affects your life in multiple ways. Uh, we're in the middle, actually we're not in the middle, we're in the last day of a series that we're calling Built to Last, and we're talking about how to have marriages that will last the test of time in life, and if you're thinking, oh great, I'm a single, actually this is probably more important for you as a single person than it might be for many of the married couples that are here, and here's why. You get to prepare yourself to go into something that's going to really be successful versus some of the people, and I'm not pointing fingers, they might have already made some major mistakes and hoping that they could fix it. So you got this amazing opportunity to do that. So I want to jump in, and the reason why is we're going to have a panel of couples come up here in a few minutes, so I'm going to lay a foundation for us over the next 10, 15 minutes of what we're talking about today, and then we're going to have these guys come up, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So here's, here's our key text. We've been using the same text every week because I'm hoping that you, as part of Southridge, would understand the value to memorizing certain scriptures. So Here's, here's our strategy with this text. If you would take our key text from every series and memorize it over the course of the year, you will have some solid anchors, if you will, in Scripture embedded in who you are as a person. And so I just challenge you to do that. So here's Ephesians. I challenge you. You know, if you were here a few weeks ago, I challenge you, right? Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 21, it says this, Submit to one another. And the word submit does not mean slavery or less than. It means uh, being the opposite of self-centered. And so that's the concept. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it's, it works because of the context of my relationship with Jesus. And so if you're trying to do marriage or you're trying to do relationships without this idea of Jesus as the center focal point of that, there's a good chance you'll struggle at some shape or form in the process because he's building this idea. So real quick review. We talked about the marriage basics in the first week. Uh, Things like uh, marriage, uh, the power of marriage is found in selflessly honoring one another. The essence of marriage is intentionally fulfilling the promises of love, not just looking for the feelings of love, which that messes with a lot of people. And then we talked about the secret of marriage. The secret of marriage is that I make 100% commitment to this pursuit of becoming one. Two shall become one. It's amazing math with God, but that's what he's doing. And so we commit to that wholeheartedly. I don't, I don't keep in my back pocket this 20% that I might not stay committed to this. I'm in. I'm all in. And so we talked about communication. We talked about the importance of listening rather than telling or trying to fix something. Guys, especially, that's what we did. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about communication is learning to look past the details many times so that you can actually deal with the issues of what's really going on. Many times we get in arguments as couples or we get in discussions. That's what we call around our house. We had a discussion. And so we talk about this and many times you can get lost in the details and actually miss the issues that are actually important to the relationship. And so we said communication is understanding that. And then we also talked about how communication happens best when we clearly and calmly state our feelings without accusing or attacking the other person. 
And so I don't, I don't use, the, use those words, you always, you never. You know, I own or I start with me and I clearly communicate what's going on. And then last week we had Dr. Brad. How many of you enjoyed Dr. Brad? Come on, it's awesome. Glad that he was here. And I always try to figure out ways to incorporate him in. He's, he's a, he told me what he is. I call him a clinical Christian psychologist, but there was a bigger term to it. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. Uh, and so he unpacked this idea of mutuality. So today we're wrapping up the series with this important aspect that I think that all of us need to understand. And that is this. It's understanding that there are seasons in marriage. There are seasons in life. I mean, there's, you know, you got spring, summer, winter, I mean, fall, winter. We understand that. that there's seasons. Well, there's seasons in marriage. And what that means is it's a realization or the preparation that change is more than likely going to come. It's just going to happen. So I'm getting ready for that. I understand that there's a season to come. And in and, and doing that, I, I wanted to honor a couple of different couples right now. Uh, I want to I honor, first of all, the couple that has been married the shortest amount of time. All right? So if, if you've been married two years or less, would you raise your hand? Two years or less. All right? If you've been married uh, less than a year, raise your hand. Do I, okay, we got a couple over here. Okay, we've got to figure out what's going on here. All right, now, 11 months? 11 months or less? 10 months or less? 7 months or less? <laughs> I just skipped a whole bunch, didn't I? <laughs> 6? 5? How, how, long have you guys, how long have you guys been married? How long have you guys been married? September. When were you guys married? August. So shortest one, okay, so here's the deal. I have a book for you because you might encounter some seasons, so thank you right there. You guys, that's awesome. So give them a hand right there. And then I have, I have uh, uh, something different for uh, the, the longest couple here. Uh, if you've been married 30 years or more, raise your hand, 30 years. Can we give it up for the 30-year group? All right. If you've been married more than 35, we'll just make a big jump, 35 years, raise your hand. More than 35. Okay, I'm looking over here. Is it, this, is the, this is the married section. <laughs> over here. Now, 40. 40. 45. 46. How many years have you guys been married? 48 years. Can we give it up? Cody, can you hand this? We didn't get you a book. We figured it was too late, but we got you ice cream from Culver's, all right? Earlier, the first service, we had a couple that had been married 65 years, 65 years. My father-in-law and mother-in-law this August are celebrating 70 years. 70 years of marriage. Congratulations to all of you guys that are hanging in there. And so there's seasons. There's seasons, you know. I mean, you got to understand that there's seasons. And so there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that I want to read today in light of the seasons of marriage. Just, I mean, many times you read this and you just think life in general. But I want us to read this with the eyeglasses on of marriage and kind of look through it, okay? So let's read that together. It says, verse 1, For everything there is a season. 
a time for every activity under heaven. In other words, there, there's times, there's seasons, there's changes, there's movement, all that's happening. And then it says, a time to be born uh, and a time to die. In other words, there's a beginning and an end. We all know that in life, that life isn't a guarantee forever. There's a time that it's going to end. But we have this window, if you will, that we live in. And it goes on, a time to plant and a time to harvest. There's sometimes in relationships that we understand that the most important thing that we're doing is we're putting seeds in the ground, knowing that sometime down the road, it's going to be a harvest in our relationship. And we understand that. And there's times that we plant and there's times that we harvest. There's a time to kill. Don't take that literal. All right? Don't take that to the extreme. But I do think it's, there's a time to kill and a time to heal, that there's a time that we need to kill attitudes and unforgiveness and bitterness and things like that, that we need to just chop it off at the, at the root and just deal with it, you know, that, that's part of it. And then it goes, a time to tear down and a time to build up. In other words, there's times that I need to peel things back and really get in there and work with and deal with the stuff. I need to be remodeled, if you will. And so I have to do that. And then it goes on, a time to cry and a time to laugh. Many times the relationships of marriage are built and formed and shaped and strengthened in the midst of crisis. I know for Jennifer and I, that's a part of our story, that because of crisis in life, we, we've grown a lot stronger in our relationship. And so there's a time for that, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. I don't know about that second part, but I know there's a time to grieve. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. There's times where you're putting things together and there's times where you need to kind of unpack some things. You need to pull it apart, so to speak. And then it goes on and says a time to embrace and a time to turn away. That there's just times where it's closeness is what we need. We need to just hug each other. We just need to be embraced in this moment. And then there's other times where you need is what I call, I need some me time. Anybody understand me time? I need me time. And so we understand that. There's a season for that. Um, and then it says a time to search and a time to quit searching. In other words, there comes a time when you just realize this is good enough. And I'm okay with it in the relationship. It goes on a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to hate. And I, and I, I want to twist that word a little bit and say a time that I'm going to be willing to get ruthlessly aggressive with the things that destroy things in my life. See, I, here's, here's what happens. Most of the time when I have conversations with couples, and this is a sad story, it's one of two worlds that I have conversations with couples. Either they're beginning their journey in a relationship and marriage, or they're at the crisis moment where they think it's all going to fall and crumble apart. And when I have the conversation with them, when it's all falling and crumbling apart, I always ask the one question, and it's this, are you willing to fight? And I'm not talking about them fight. I'm talking about them fighting for their marriage. And I ask him that because the, and to me, and as I read that scripture that we read, there has to be that fire inside that says, I hate this so much that I'm not going to put up with it. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to do something different about it. So that's a time for that, a time for war and a time for peace. In other words, there's times when things come from the outside and attack what's going on in the inside that we need to be willing to fight for that as well. And then there's those peace times. It's just, man, it's a good time. So that, that scripture is all in there, and there's all, I mean, there's all these thoughts that are inside that scripture. So what do we need to understand? Fill in the blanks real quickly. Marriage is continually in a state of movement. Just because you were this way five years ago, I can almost guarantee you won't be the same way five years from now. 
or maybe last week. I mean, it just there's a movement that happens in the marriage relationship. In reality, we change as a couple, as individuals, as time goes on. We experience seasons of marriage. We have ebb and flows. We have attitude shift, emotions fluctuate, expectations are adjusted, times of tension, feelings of stress, strain, crisis, tragedy, discouragement, temptation, and the list goes on and on. It's happening. And so there's movement that's going on in relationships. So the big question then is how do we handle the seasons of marriage so it doesn't destroy our marriages? If it's going to happen, I've got to figure out how to respond or deal with it correctly. So some marriages don't handle the seasons well and become either a statistic or a married single. Statistic means they're one of the ones that divorced. Or they become a married single, which means that they still live in the same house and they still live in the same home. They're in the same space, but they're not in the same place. And that's going on, and technically they're married, but emotionally they're disconnected, they're single, and they're divorced in their hearts. And see, that's a lot of times what happens, because I didn't respond well to the seasons of marriage. And so here's the next fill in the blank. The key is not hoping we never experience change. I mean, if you're just hoping, man, we're just going to make, we're going to control everything, we're going to make everything work perfectly, we're going to do this so well, there will never be tension, there will never be problems, we're going to do it. That's not the key. The key is deciding how or choosing how you're going to respond. How are you going to respond when it happens? When the seasons change, how are you going to respond? So what are the seasons? Seasons of marriage, and some describe the seasons of marriage this way, that the the first season is many times called the romance or passion or honeymoon stage. You know the stage. It's it's Eskimo kisses, you know, (laughs) right? It's it's pet names that drive everybody else crazy but them, you know? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It's calling and talking to each other on the phone and never saying anything and being on the phone for two hours, and every once in a while you hear this... (sighs) Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there, pumpkin. <laughs> right? I mean, it's disgusting, right? It's goo-goo. It's gaga. I mean, it's like, oh, oh, ooh, ah. You know where I'm at. I'm, come on, guys. Come on. Give me a chest bump, all right? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. And so that's usually the first stage. And then you have a lot of times a stage that's called disillusionment or reality, the reality stage. And that's where we realize that the other person is not as perfect as I hoped for in the first place. There's like this reality check. It's like, ooh, man, who are you? You know, that kind of thing. And then there's the misery and disagreement stage, which is that this is characterized by I'm right, you're wrong, get over it. And so it's a fight. It's a battle. It's a fight. And there's intensity and there's resentment and there's pain and there's bruises and all that stuff. And then hopefully, if you get to this, you can get to a place of acceptance or mutual forgiveness or appreciation or security. There's all kinds of different words that define this area that we might get. Like, I look at my father and mother-in-law, been married 70 years. They're at this level. They're different. I mean, they're totally different. But they appreciate and forgive sometimes. That might not be completely true. And, and, and they feel secure with one another. It's an amazing thing to watch them and what they do. So one person, here's what one person said. At first, and they, they were describing the seasons of marriage, we were mad for each other, madly in love. And then we were mad at each other. And now we're just mad because of each other. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's so, so seasons, we get that. So let me, let me walk through real quickly, and then we're going to have the panel come up. Let me walk through real quickly 
from a book. I didn't come up with this. I didn't make this myself. I'm, and there's all kinds of materials. I encourage you, go buy the book, the, the Seasons of Marriage. It's by Gary Chapman. I think I put that in the handout so you can see the, the reference. But I just kind of took some of the thoughts and put them down so we could see and get our minds around this idea. So he defines it in terms of weather, spring, summer, fall, winter. Same concept of what I just walked through. And so the spring, and here's, here's the idea behind it. The spring is a season of new beginnings where most marriages begin. It's that love is in the air thing. You know, love is in the air, and we're Eskimo kissing, and we're, you know, doing all those things. That, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's sick, man, but it's beautiful. And so there's emotions. And by the way, each one of our responses has one of three things, and they build on each other. And that's, if I handle these correctly, it helps me versus hinders me. It's emotions, it's attitudes, it's actions. Emotions, attitudes, actions. And as I understand those and I work with those, it affects my relationship and my marriage. So the typical emotions for the beginning spring stage are things like excitement. We're excited about being together. We're joyous about being together. We're, we're hopeful about being together. I mean, this is cool. This is awesome. I can't believe I missed this in life. I mean, man. And it's spring. You know, it's beautiful. Typical attitudes, anticipation, optimism. I mean, if you try to picture what's going to happen, it's nothing but beautiful. It's nothing but perfect. It's like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. It might get difficult. How can it ever get difficult? Look at us. You know, they, that's just that optimistic. And there's gratitude. And there's love and there's trust. The typical actions are nurturing or caring, planning or dreaming, communicating freely. You know, there's a lot of, it'll be okay, baby. It'll be okay. You know, yeah, right there. Look at that. He's just right there front row. He's rubbing her head. You know? I mean, I, and that's part of what's going on in this relational stage called spring. But there's an issue. And the issue is, is life will happen and challenge will come and change will come. And so the unexpected or the unannounced can quickly ruin the moment that we're in. All of a sudden, we disagree. I can't believe we disagreed. I mean, it's like the biggest thing ever. We disagreed. I wanted Arby's, and he wanted Chipotle. I mean, what are we going to do now? <laughs> right? I mean, and so the little spring thunderstorm thing comes in, and it throws this monkey wrench into it. So, spring. Next one is summer, a season of experiencing the benefits of what began in the spring. In other words, there's a benefit to the spring thing that's happening, or just happened, and now I'm... I'm experiencing the fruit of it, so to speak. So here's the emotions. Happiness, you know, the song that's happy, 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 you sing it all the time, you know. I'm so happy, you know. Anyway, <laughs> satisfaction is a part of that. I'm satisfied. This is cool. I love this. This is good. A, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of connection, peace, fun, all those things are emotions that are connected to this benefit summer stage. An attitude is I trust you. Almost blindly. I just trust you. We trust each other because we don't have anything really to say that we shouldn't or we couldn't. There's a commitment to grow. We're relaxed. We have this incredible positive attitude in the midst of summer. And then typical actions, things like communicating constructively. There's, there's a willingness to accept differences, and we pray together, and we engage in activities together, and we have this sense of growing together. It's like, man, we're going somewhere. It's happening. It's summer. And here's an issue. Because the typical issue is, is because everything seems so good, in quotes, we don't, push the, we don't push to deal with the unresolved issues that we really need to. 
So there's still things going on in the summer, but we kind of tend to ignore them because we're so happy. And because we're so happy and it's going so good, the things that maybe we should have dealt with when it was a good time, we didn't. And later on, they come back and they kind of bite us on the rear. It's like, whoa, man, where'd that come from? Well, it was there. We just didn't take advantage of the moment that we had to deal with it. And so that's an issue. Here's the winter one. I mean, sorry, the fall one. A season of beautiful colors, but at the same time, the chilling winds begin to blow and the leaves begin to fall. What was so beautiful before now has this chill about it. It has this coldness about it. And so the typical emotions are things like fear and sadness, confusion. This is where we realize, we're starting to realize this misery thing is kind of starting to come in. We're frustrated, dejected, discouraged, resentful, unappreciated. We're emotionally spent. We don't want to have another conversation about anything. I don't want to talk about it. And so they get to that fall time. And then there's attitudes. There's this great concern about the future. There's uncertainty. There's blaming. Man, it gets in full gear. I blame you for this. this we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And there's disengagement. The typical action is we neglect each other. We start living like singles. We start doing my thing because I don't care about your thing or our thing. And we neglect each other. And we, we have a failure at, at its core to seek resolution. If an issue comes up, instead of dealing with it, we just go to another room. It's fall. It's cold. It's, 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 it's harsh in some ways. And really what happens many times, there's no action at all. And the typical issue is there's a drifting apart. There's a disengaging as a couple. There's a hibernation type approach that happens. And because of that, this is when usually the question begins to say, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if I want to be a part of this anymore. This hurts. It's fall. But then it, many times it goes worse because we don't respond or choose to respond to the season the right way or deal with it, and it moves into the winter season, the season of difficulty and a time when the couple responds poorly to the challenge of the fall. The fall comes, I've got issues, I've got things, I've got stuff going on, but I don't respond appropriately, so then it creates not just a, wind chill, a chilling wind, now it's a bitter freeze. And it's, it's harsh and it's hard. It doesn't feel like there's any life. And there's some emotions. Emotions are things like hurt, anger, disappointment, loneliness, feeling rejected and abandoned. And attitudes are critical, negative, discouraged, hopeless. I'm frustrated with what's going on to the point where it makes me mad. And actions then are destructive. A lot of times you'll find in those cases in the winter moments is when you might find fairs happening or, or addictions taking place or things getting out of control because there's the destructive tendency in this moment because it's so bitterly hard. And so there's things that I need to look at. There's speaking harshly. There's not speaking at all. There's withdrawal. There's violence, abuse, all those things. And the typical issue is the couple becomes detached and cold and harsh and bitter and there is not a willingness to negotiate. In other words, I give up. And so today, I think it's really, really important for you and I to understand the value of understanding the season. So I've invited four couples to come. If they would make their way, you guys want to jump up here. Four couples. We're going to transition, and we're going to ask some questions. And in just a moment, I'm going to come out in a different character as the host of Marriage by the Book, and I'm T.E. Vandeman. So just a second. Give me a moment.
I'm just going to move this over here. Don't worry. These couples came to us from all the way from out there. <laughs> so we, what I did is I asked um, these four couples specifically based on kind of where they're at in life. Um, and from newly engaged to fairly new married to older children and been married several years to high school children and been married several years. So we get a little bit of a cross cut. So um, I want to welcome you uh, to Marriage by the Book. Thank you for being on our show. <laughs> and so today uh, we're just glad that you're here. And I, if you would just take a moment, introduce yourselves um, and how long you've been married. I'm Brent. This is my fiance Lisa. We are obviously not married, but getting married May 9th. So we're in a season of engagement. Okay. This is my wife, Krista. Hi. <laughs> and I'm Jason Campbell. We've been married for 10 years. It'll be 11 this summer. And we have two children, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Okay. Uh, Don and Shelly Dubay. We've been married 27 years. We have a 26-year-old, a 24-year-old, and a 22-year-old. Uh, Jerry and my bride, Trish. Uh, we have a 16 and 12-year-old. Nice. Been married 24 years. 24 years. All yep. right. So here's, here's some questions. And uh, how would you describe right now the season that you're in as a couple? How would you describe that? Brent, we'll start uh, with you. A season of wedding planning, um, <laughs> which from a guy's perspective going into it, you think it's, it's not very detailed, but it's very time-consuming, so, uh, and it was the greatest challenge in it. Um, I think trying to find quality time together, because we're getting a lot of personal time together, but it's a lot of wedding planning, um, and just trying to make sure we don't lose those times of quality time together, and being intentional about setting aside a couple hours or an evening of just being not discussing planning for the wedding. That's been a challenge. Okay. Right. Lisa, you want to add anything to that? Um, <clears throat> the only other thing I would say is it's a season of gathering tools. So um, so Jerry and Trisha are our coaches for premarital, um, and they always talk about gathering the tools for marriage. Uh, we're getting the tools now, but we won't actually know how to use those until we're actually married. Um, and so gathering tools from other people who are married who have that wisdom, who've been through those seasons, uh, so we can use those later. Okay. Oh, hello. Um, hello. We, um, we kind of discussed this earlier. We are in the season of summer with a little bit of spring here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we never really, um, we never were mushy, gushy people. Never have been. It'd be weird. So, <laughs> and obviously we're, we're also in that season of, um, now that we have kids, um, which we waited almost five years to have kids. And that was kind of our goal. We wanted to just be us for a while. And for us, we think that was, we recommend that for anyone, not that kids aren't great, but it's, it's good just to be you two for a little while. It's when you really get to learn each other and 
throwing kids into the mix puts so much stress. So um, having that good foundation first, I, I recommend if you can. Um, and then also it's remembering that we're the married ones. Like we came first before our kids and to put each other first and not to put, I mean, obviously kids need things, you know, and you can't ignore those things, but to remember that. Food. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, have to take showers and all that stuff. (laughs) CPS gets involved, bad deal. (laughs) So just that whole deal. So anyway, that's where we're still we're, the kids are old enough now, so now we focus. We have to remember that right. it started with us. Jason, you want to add some, something to that? Sure. No? All right. <laughs> Shelly, where are you guys? Well, last time I said spring, and he disagreed. <laughs> so I don't know if he still disagrees. I said spring because we've been through summer, winter, fall. We're kind of circling back around again. Oh, did I hear some oh's out oh. there? Oh. I think, (laughs) I feel like I got to contemplate this for a moment. I mean, I feel like everything's always kind of in spring and summer until she tells me, hello, we're in fall kind of deal. The cold dead of winter. (laughs) Did you want to add? (laughs) Wait a minute, that's your answer? (laughs) Pastor, we need to talk. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I would say that for us, we are in the the busy um, season. We've got two very active boys. They've got a lot of activities, you know, between their sports and their very busy social calendars. And we're learning for the first time to parent a teenager, which is an adventure in and of itself. And and <laughs> and I think that one of the things, the challenges for us in the middle of all of that, is not losing us uh, and 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 remembering to um, prioritize the marriage. That's good. Next question. Here's the next question. What has been, and I'm going to ask you to be fairly transparent, okay? I mean, this is is a little challenging. I gave some of the questions to them, and some of them I didn't on purpose. I think this one I might have given you in a different version so it felt safer. (laughs) What has been one of your greatest challenges as a couple in dealing with the seasons and how did you adapt to the change of that season? Um, I mean, us only not even being in maybe just one season. I mean, I, I feel like with being in, in an engagement period, I, I kind of hit it with the first question. I mean, really being challenged with learning the difference between quality time and uh, just being together. Um, so a challenge for us has been and for me, as as the guy trying to be intentional about planning date nights and time outside of wedding planning, um, and I feel like I'm learning and we're learning um, how to adjust with that and not letting the, the planning control our relationship. Okay. Lisa, you want to add anything to that? Um, <clears throat> I think for me, all of that, I agree. And also... Um, it's been interesting for me because I know if we're talking like heart idols, I would steer towards um, desiring control. And so that can play out in different ways. Um, and so for me, it's been as I'm transitioning from fiance to wife soon, um, learning to encourage him to lead and also to submit to that leadership um, and trust that he knows what he's doing and that he's looking out for the best. Mm-hmm. 
Krista, <laughs> Jason, you guys want to speak to that? Just your greatest challenge? Maybe? Um, I think probably is just transitioning from, really we've just, you know, transitioned from, you know, dating to getting married and having kids and we're kind of, obviously it's as far as we've gone so far, but just learning to adapt, learning to um, appreciate our differences and how re we react to certain situations, um, learning from it. I think we've learned a lot about how to communicate better. Um, I'm super bossy and kind of, I can be a nag, so like real on that crazy side in sometimes, like I've feel like that's constant learning. Don't nod, and, uh, <laughs> and he he puts up with it really well. But I'm not as bad. Because I work on it. So, yeah. He's like not crazy at all. So. I know. Yeah, I know. How about you, Jason? <laughs> How would you describe that? Uh, you're talking about challenges, right? Yeah, yeah challenges. Um, you know, I think <clears throat> I want to say it was, it was pretty easy the first, you know, six, seven years and so on. Uh, in all reality, because uh, I'm, I'm, like she said, I'm a pretty laid back guy, and I think she, I, we kind of even, even, even each other out pretty well. But once we threw kids in the mix, and especially now, um, you know, obviously I, I work and get home at five, and it's it's kids, kids, kids. So I don't get to see them all day, and she kind of gets away, and she gets to do laundry and just just the normal woman stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm joking. <laughs> She daggers. gets to. Did you guys? Get yeah, she gets to. She loves it. Um, but anyway, you know, by the time we put the kids to bed, we're both exhausted and we just want to go to sleep. And it seems like, you know, then there's the the financial issues and you know, just different obligations that you have to go through. And so right now, I think the biggest challenge is finding us time. Mm -hmm. And you know it. Oh, should we get a sitter for, for Friday night? Oh, well, there's 20 bucks, you know. Then we got to spend $10 on the meal, you know. And so it's <laughs> there. We're, Big spender, Jason. Yeah. So, you know, so it's like, then we just get, you know, discouraged. And uh, so I think finding time for each other and, and not just laying there next to each other watching TV, but literally time is our biggest challenge right now um, to find. Hey, I want to buy two dates. Oh. There you go. Two dates. Two dates. Yeah. There you go. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys, if anybody else mentions I'm not doing it, but I'm going to get it. She, she needs a question. Um, you need the question My challenge is to remember yeah. the question. Uh, yes. What has been one of your greatest challenges as couples in dealing with the season? How do you adapt? How did you adapt in the process? been perfect. <laughs> um, I don't know. The there have been a lot of challenges, okay. but I can't nail one down right this second. <laughs> um, but it all came, boils down to communication was the mm -hmm. big issue and learning to communicate and how we communicate with each other. Good. Um, and it's still a process because I actually don't like to communicate. So there's that. <laughs> So I, I guess it's evident 
I'm the challenge. <laughs> so I'll just get that off the plate. Um, and, and I do believe that in my heart. I, I am where we're concerned. But I think what Shelley said about communication is big. And um, I'm one of those people that just want to get it all out, get it solved, talk about it. Shelley's more keep it to herself because she knows I'm going to nitpick whatever she does say and remember it so that I can throw it back at her 45 seconds later. So I'm really good at that. Um, so I think the communication part, and for me especially, learning how to listen more as opposed to giving my, you know, how us guys like to do, really. constant input. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the biggest challenge we've had in our marriage was our separation. Uh, uh, we filled out the divorce paperwork. Um, we were heading down that road. And I'll let Trish talk about how we entered um, that direction, but the hardest part for me was the recovery. Um, you go through a struggle, you go through a trial, and you hope that the recovery period takes less time than it took you to get there. Um, it was probably around a three-year mark after we got back together before we were healthy. Uh, and that took, I mean... Lots of time, lots of patience. You know, we sought professional counseling, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's actually something very good about that. And we got some of the best advice from that uh, counselor. And learning how to trust and rebuild that from the ground up while you're in the marriage, while you're living with kids, while you're, you know, doing your career and still failing each other along the way. Mm -hmm. and so that was a big struggle. And so we got there because, um, you know, I can remember thinking about marriage, thinking about what I thought it was going to be like, and developing all these expectations about how I thought it was going to go. And I, we reached a point, we'd been married about seven years, and it hadn't been anything like I had expected it was going to be. And so when you get to that place where those expectations aren't met, all of a sudden it's no longer about me, like maybe I need to adjust my expectations but it was all about him and everything he was doing wrong. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be married. It's that somehow I decided that I didn't want to be married to him because he wasn't meeting those expectations. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was a really, that was a real eye opener for me because we were separated about six months and I got to the place where, you know, yeah, we filled out the divorce papers, but I could never do anything with them. It's like they were just, they were there, they were done, we were ready to do something, but whatever it was I was supposed to do with them, I couldn't do it. And so I think that in the midst of all of that, that was God kind of pulling us back from, all right, you know, we, we, we've reached the cliff, now let's figure out how we find our way back. Mm -hmm. That's good. You know, when you're just, uh, before we get into the next question, I, I'm, Jerry, you said something, I, and I think... Uh, Shelly, you kind of referred to it or referenced a little bit about this secular type thing. But in the midst of the cycle from winter back to a spring, many times there is a grieving process that has to be walked through. Um, I, you know, if you've lost a loved one or stuff like that, sometimes you can get stuck in that because you can't really handle the grieving process. The grieving process is things like, uh, you know, I'm upset. Well, you, you talk about that. I'm, I'm emotionally hurt, you know, and you walk through, I mean, there's all these different aspects of grief 
that go at the same thing when you walk through a winter experience. And so that's, that's just, I mean, you kind of highlight that a little bit. But here's the, here's the next question. Um, when did you realize that your spouse or fiancé was not perfect, and how did you deal with that? Um, I, I think... <laughs> we might be moving to summer's fall right now. <laughs> Logically, there's, I mean, there's like... There's a moment in dating and engagement where you're completely infatuated with someone and you hear everyone saying stuff, you know, like, yeah, well, this, my situation's different. And, like, logically, I know no one is perfect because I can look at my own life and see the imperfections within me. I'm assuming that's within, within everyone else. But, like, emotionally, it's very dangerous because your e- emotions will lie and play tricks on you and kind of um, – you can kind of be blind to things. But, I mean, I, I think – Conflict was probably when I began to realize that there were imperfections there. So just the conflict itself? Yeah, conflict. How about you, Lisa? (laughs) I'm going to say it again. When I saw his dance moves. (laughs) 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 Um, But honestly, just, um, you know, with any relationship, you, you get to a point where you start to let those walls down and you... Um, you're vulnerable with each other and uh, you're just honest with who you are and where your shortcomings are. And um, I mean, same kind of thing. I think we all know that nobody out there is truly perfect. Um, But it's not until you really get into those um, unknown spaces, I guess, if you want to call it that, that you really get to know that person and understand um, just who they really are. Um, Ours came exactly... Um, I remember, (laughs) remember the day, (laughs) it was a Sunday, (laughs) but it really was a Sunday and, um, we were engaged. So, um, we don't, we had a two year long distance relationship. So our relationship was on the phone. Um, like our first cell phone bill when I was in college, this is before like unlimited talk and texts and all that was $400. Yeah. And my grandparents paid it because they're sweet like that. <laughs> anyway, um, so we thought we were, like, really good at communication and all this stuff. But really, in all reality, we hadn't spent a lot of time together um, one-on-one. There was an instance, and I could not tell you why something switched in my head. And I got so mad at him. And I locked myself in my room at my parents' house. And, like, he came around the house and knocked on the window. And I didn't, like, go away and all that stuff. And it was my aha moment, like... I knew I wasn't perfect, and I knew I had a lot of flaws, but I put him on this pedestal, and which wasn't really fair to him when you look back, um, because no one's perfect. But in my mind, I didn't feel like I deserved him, so when he disappointed me, and I'm sorry, I don't know what you did, <laughs> still, um, I, yeah, I flipped out and, you know, had a had that moment so that was the moment that I was like I also realized I'm a big baby and I needed to get over whatever the issue was but that was kind of a like okay we're not perfect he's not perfect but it's gonna be okay that was our moment uh, mine was anything like I'm not sure the first service one I'm sure it's like <laughs> another one uh, uh, it was more of hints when I figured out she wasn't perfect because we had been talking for like a month and we were quote unquote together and her dad and I are really close 
And he said, well, you've lasted longer than two weeks. That's better than the other guys. <laughs> so that was my first hint that she wasn't perfect. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so then it was further on down the line. And um, she was in Missouri. I was in New Mexico. And we were having some communication problems. And so I was, again, talking to her dad on the phone. I spent more time talking to him than her, I think. And, um, but we had gotten through that, and we had gotten engaged, and everything was, or I'm sorry, let me back up. We had gotten through that. Communication was better. And so I called her dad. I hadn't talked to him in a while, and we were talking, that sort of thing. Everything was going good. And before I even said anything, because I was going to ask him, you know, if he would, if I could have her hand in marriage, before I even asked him, he's like, he's like, if you're ask, if you're calling to marry my daughter, he's, I'll say yes. He said, if that's that's the deal. I'm like, I'm thinking, like, why is he so quick to want to get rid of her? <laughs> so that was my that was the second one. I realized. Um, well, I'll say what I said earlier. My my idea of perfection is I knew I wasn't perfect, and I never expected him to be perfect. And he didn't let me down. <laughs> so we're in fall now. <laughs> um, after that, I forgot the question. What, what was it again? Uh, when did you realize... Oh, she wasn't perfect. Wasn't perfect. Well, uh, you know, I think it was... The first thing was actually a meal. Sounds stupid, but when, when she wouldn't make the stuffing in the turkey, she does it in a pot, and then she wouldn't give in when I told her that's not the right way, blah, blah. And that stemmed from, uh, I was away and called her over a weekend and said, you know how we're going to get married when I get back because I was in the military? How about if I fly home and we get married now? So, so literally, I flew home, I think it was that next weekend, we got married, and then I flew back. So then I was gone. I was away. I was away. So the first time we really started having our relationship married was right around Thanksgiving. So I'm trying to give credit and um, credibility to why I had an issue with that whole stuffing thing. But it really, it, my, impre- my thought of a perfect woman was one that if I tell her this is the way it's got to be, that's what we're going to do. And sure, we'll discuss it. But then at the end, you're going to do what my idea was. <laughs> you know, that's what I thought. And I soon realized not the case. So that's how it panned out for me. Yeah. You're a wise man. Did you ever work with women? <laughs> um, my story is a little different than Jason's um, or my experience. Uh, when I call Trisha's parents to ask for her hand in marriage, you know, they live in Emerson. It's about 45 minutes away. So we drive down there and sitting at the kitchen table. And they're like, you know, but I didn't tell them why I was coming down. I just, I needed to have a conversation with them. Well, you know, it was fairly obvious. So we're sitting at the kitchen table and said, well, I want to ask for your permission, you know, to marry Trish. And Trish's mom didn't miss a beat. Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> Have you ever seen her angry? <laughs> I lied and said yes. <clears throat> I found out later. <laughs> okay, so... Um, you know, Jerry and I, we really didn't 
um, date for very long. We dated about three and a half months and we were engaged. We dated about a total of a year from July to July when we were married. And, you know, it just, it's, it's the funniest, stupidest thing, but he had this pair of red shorts and he wore them a lot. And I don't know that I ever really noticed them when we were dating because, you know, we lived, you know, in our separate households. But then when we were living together in the same household and he put them on one time to wear them and I looked at him and I, you know, very casually said, are you wearing that? And he says, what's wrong with this? And I said, well, I I just, I think you have nicer, you know, shorts than those. He's like, but these, these are my favorite shorts. I always wear these. And I said, well, I know that you always wear them, so maybe you have something else. <laughs> and he says to me, you know, I had dates before you. <laughs> oh, wow. That actually, you know, I, we might want to do a third service because this is getting better each time we do it. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, the, the real stuff is coming out now. Yeah, I like it. All right, real quickly, uh, true, false, true or false, uh, you can change your spouse or significant other. True or false? False. 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 No. Okay, all right, just checking. We're just checking. Uh, here's the last question. Uh, there are millions of people listening around the world to our conversation today. <laughs> what advice would you give them in regards to responding to the seasons of marriage? What one thing would you tell them? I mean, I, I would say learn to listen and really listen. And then I'm going to add one more thing. Even though I know you asked for one. Um, during an engagement period, very, um, be very intentional about spending time in the Word and praying together every day. Okay. Um, mine would be to uh, seek wisdom from community, um, from Christian community, from uh, people that are in different seasons, um, different life stages, um, kind of what I said earlier, but honestly, keeping them involved, um, having those, you know, couple individuals or whatever that is um, for accountability partners um, and asking their wisdom, uh, things they've been through and remembering advice, even if you feel like it doesn't apply to you in your current season, um, because I feel like God plants certain things along the way so that we can use it later. Um, and also, uh, oh, if you, (laughs) if you're given wisdom that maybe you don't want to hear, uh, to still listen because typically you need to hear it. (laughs) Um, I would say, uh, for me, some, any, you know, anything I would say that I try to remember, especially now after having kids and you kind of gets crazy and you step back after they're getting a little older and you're like, you know what, you need to remember where it started. You know, the person that you fell in love with, the person that you made that decision, you know, you made that decision for a reason. Why did you make that decision? And remembering that, um, you, you, after the kids go, you're still, you have to be you. And if you lose that along the way, you're going to be really lonely. And so to always remember, like, the dumb, goofy stuff you did together, even if it was silly, when you look back, just remember where it started and the feelings that you had and, and to not let that go. 
I think uh, I am going to give two, break the rules a little bit. Um, one is listen. As guys, we tend to have this ego thing, and um, I think the biggest thing is to sit down and listen. We feel that we're right. We feel that no matter, you know, we're persistent and that sort of thing. And no matter what argument or how it comes across, always let your, your girlfriend, your fiance, your spouse, whoever it is, let them release it. If they're yelling, screaming at you, just let them do it and be calm and let them get out of their system and ask if they're finished. And if they're not finished, <laughs> let them keep going. <laughs> and the biggest thing is just to be quiet and not to get animated and, and not to get not to escalate the, the problem, uh, but just to listen. Mm -hmm. And then if you're mad, if you're upset, say, can we talk later because I need a few minutes to clear my head and to calm down and come back and resolve it. Nothing gets resolved out of escalation or anger. Mm -hmm. Nothing. But slam doors and people leaving. Um, and the other thing, just talking to guys, try to impress your girlfriend, wife, or spouse, or fiance. Try to impress them. I mean, whether it's taking more showers, whether it's working out, <laughs> whether it, whatever it is. And, and, and we do that in the, in the early stages, but I think as life goes on, we get comfortable. We, we wear the red shorts every day. Um, <laughs> You know, tr do something different. Look good. Look stylish. Do, you know, try to impress her every single day. And I think that will help. Um, for me, I just always try to go back and remember the vow. The vows that we said were forever. And keep that as intentional as you can. And remember, it's a season. It's going to pass. Mm -hmm. The next season will come. And then you'll get spring, winter, summer, all of them. I'm, I'm glad she brought up the seasons because then it left me feeling like she just stuck with me because she said forever in the, <laughs> in the vows. Um, for me, it's forgiveness kind of and not necessarily asking forgiveness when I'm proven wrong, but being more of a forgiving person at the front end. Uh, to quote the great Aaron Rodgers, relax. <laughs> wow, that kind of bombed. I didn't think that was going to bomb. <laughs> okay. Well, moving right along. <clears throat> One thing that uh, we always ask uh, couples that are getting married or in couples that are in crisis is when you were getting married or when you're about to get married, are you inspired by your spouse? Does she inspire me? And she does. Um, probably my best advice is for the season that you're in, embrace it because you're here. And if you're always wanting to get to the next stage, if you're always wishing that you were behind, you're going to miss something. There's perhaps a lesson you could learn. There's an opportunity that you have. But if it's always looking in a different direction or in a different place, then you're not present and you're not in the moment. So take the opportunity now, be it with your kids, but most importantly with your spouse. Embrace where you are. Embrace your marriage and where you're at in your marriage. Learn what you can. Build as you're able. And then move on to the next stage. Mm -hmm. And then you will be in a better position to take on whatever that next stage is going to bring. Good, good stuff. It's choosing how I'm going to respond. And Jason, I think you mentioned it too, is that it starts with an emotional response. 
how am I going to emotionally respond to this? And sometimes you do need to take a step back. Well, I want to thank these guys for being on our show today. Yes. And uh, we hope that someday you can come back again. And uh, God bless. All right, let's give them a big hand as they... Worship team's going to come. Before we do a couple songs, I want to I just give us some practical in your handout, in your notes, just a few real quick things um, that I think might help us keep moving and thriving as a couple or as couples. And the first one is this, is that we need to be very aggressive or very quick about identifying our failures. Not their failures, because we're really good at that. Identifying mine, yours, personally, and, and, and owning some stuff. It's dealing with my stuff, and really be quick about doing that. You know, because always defending yourself will land you in fall and winter seasons just like that. If, if you're always going to defend your failures, you're going to find yourself in fall and winter seasons. So you've got to come to the point where you quickly get it out there and identify your failures, confess them, repent from them, meaning turn away from them, go a different direction. Here's the second one. Hold tightly to a winning attitude. A winning attitude. There's a lot of losing attitudes out there. There's a lot of perspectives because what we think largely influences what we do and we have to mentally think about breaking the cycle of negativity and criticalness and opposition and attack and we're going to have a winning attitude you got to focus on the good and, and here's the deal you have to be willing to never ever 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 say i give up you just don't do that isn't we're, we're not quitters never win and we're going for it. We're in this. We're committed. You know, we're, we're going to do this till death do us part. You know, I mean, it, it, we're going. We're built to last. God's going to help us through these seasons. So hold tightly to a winning attitude. And the last one is speak your spouse's love language. Each of us has a language that we hear best in our relationships. It's our job as spouses to figure out what my spouse's language is. You know, my wife's bless her heart, it's, it's hugs and kisses and touch, which is just the total opposite of who I am. But I say I love her the most just in a long hug with a kiss. And she knows that. Now, for me, it's words of affirmation. You know, that's, that's, and so we know that about each other. Now it's a matter of speaking that love language. By the way, it's a book by the same guy, Gary Chapman, The Five Languages of Love. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a couple songs. I'm going to come up with clothes. Um, Lord, I pray right now that you would just open our hearts as we respond, respond in these next two songs. Lord, the words are so powerful, Lord. What's involved in the words of the songs fit perfectly in what we're talking about. So, Lord, we invite your presence right now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name.